Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Hello, welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. I'm Tom Marvin, one of the tech heads at Bike Radar. And with me today, we've got Robin Weaver, who is our senior technical editor in chief. How's it going, Rob? Yeah, well, good. Thank you, mate. How are you? Very well, thanks. Yeah. And we've got Seb Stott, who's our resident tech writer as well. Hello. Uh, so it's heading towards Christmas. We're going to be um, jobbing off for our little Christmas holiday soon. But uh, what have you been up to the past couple of weeks, Rob? Um, it's actually been pretty busy um, with so many launches. Uh, postponed or cancelled in 2020 everything's getting pushed back later and later into the year so i've actually just covered the new crank brothers shoes mm-hmm. launch which has been quite interesting it's good to see those guys in the market with a new or well, three new pairs of sh- different shoes and also the new santa cruz nomad so i've been trying to get out as much as i can on that which has been pretty cool happy that was um launched this morning we we're recording it on the 15th of december so yeah it's launched about a couple of hours ago right yeah eight o'clock this morning yeah up nice and early i hope <laughs> always <laughs> always what about you Seb um, you've been doing a bike test yeah I've been quite busy I've been uh, testing three 140 mil travel 29er trail bikes so I've had the new evil offering that uh, was just updated a few days ago um, the Kotic Jet uh, and the Starling Murmur which is quite an interesting bike um, so yeah that's been really interesting that's been good I've been doing some uh some laps of Riskin, South Wales, um, putting them down some steep technical tracks. It's been quite fun. Happy days. Three quite different bikes. So what, the the Murmur's like a little, cup, you know, small production run, single pivot, is it? Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, yeah. They're making them, them in Taiwan now because it's a slightly bigger operation than it was okay. when they first came onto the scene. 
but yeah, they're still a very small brand. Kotick, kind of medium-sized. Uh, they're all kind of small brands. That's mm. the theme of the test. But I guess Evil is a bit different to the others because it's made of carbon. The other two are made of steel. Um, so it's a lot lighter. But the uh, yeah, the geometry of those bikes is very different. So that's that's quite interesting as well. Wicked. So I guess that'll be going in what MBUK three ninety one. Yeah, sale, so, so that'll be on year? sale in January. Yeah, I think. Cool. And then they'll make their way into Bike Radar as well down the line soon. So keep an eye out on that. Yeah. Happy days. Well, at the opposite end of the scale, I've been doing cross country bikes because it's just something to do, isn't it? Had a little. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's this guy quite like it. I went out for a real punchy ride with um, our workshop manager Will yesterday. Um, he was on. Well, we sort of back to back in the special epic that was launched early this year and the new Merida 96, which is their uh, new XC bike. Um, and obviously, if you go out with your colleague, uh, you end up racing each other all the way across Bristol uh, and around those tracks. So uh, it was hard work, but it was it was good fun. So, yeah, happy days. Oh, and I've been on indoor bikes, which has been great. I've got a Watt bike at the moment. Um, so I've been enjoying Zwift. I say enjoying. I've been suffering Zwift. <laughs> I don't know if enjoyment is the right term for, for Zwift. But anyway, there we go. Does it make you want to stay indoors more? Absolutely not. It makes me want to go outdoors more. <laughs> um, I've got the uh, I've got the the uh, Watt bike until early mid January, and then from then on, sadly, I won't have any more indoor bikes in my house, which is going to be an absolute shame because it means I might have to go and ride real bikes outside, um, even in the rain. But that's fine. That's fine. Right, well, um, it, because it is the end of 2020 and the start of 2021, um, we thought we'd take a quick look back at uh, the main tech news of 2020 from the mountain bike side, um, and then we'll have a little predictions for 2021. Um, if you are a road cyclist, there was a 2020 look back and 2021 predictions pot that came out about a week ago. So um, if you listen to this and you haven't heard that, then search through your podcast provider. But hey, let's... Um, We'll crack on. We'll crack on. So I think um, one of the biggest bits of news this year, and I know, Seb, you've been heavily uh, testing these, is the new Fox 38 and the RockShox Zeb. Um, so what's the, uh, what's the deal? What's the lowdown with those? Well, they're basically um, super burly uh, single crown forks for the... I guess there's an increasing trend towards longer travel, bigger hitting, pedalable bikes. Um, so... I guess you could call it super enduro bikes if mm -hmm. you really want, but basically enduro bikes have, have sort of evolved that way towards downhill bikes. So they have, well, the Zeb has up to 190 mil of travel. Um, the uh, 38 is 160 to 180. So they're, uh, they both have 38 millimeter stanchions. So they're even stiffer, even burlier than the Fox 36 and RockShox Lyric, which we've kind of always thought of as, you know, very capable single crown forks, but they're um, um, just that bit more kind of sturdy and predictable when you're kind of really smacking into big holes, big square bumps. Uh, we actually did a podcast, the last podcast we did, Tom, was about, about stiffness and fork stiffness and how those forks compare. But um, So that might be worth a listen if you're interested in that. But basically, they, they, um, I think they feel just more controlled and more kind of smooth and predictable on those really big hits. Um, so that's kind of a trend that, um, um, I mean, Olin's have brought out a 38 mil diameter extension fork as well, uh, more recently. So maybe we're gonna see more of that 
um, for those kind of really big hitting single crown pedalable bikes. One of the things we talked about in that stiffness pod was how you, you felt that actually there was no decrease in comfort. And often it's been sort of talked about that a little bit of flex in a system adds to the comfort, but you didn't think that was the case with these forks. I think not, not when it comes to a fork. Um, I think, you know, the increased stiffness and the increased bushing overlap in the, if you compare the Zeb to the Lyric or the 38 to the 36, I think there's a, they basically feel about the same to me on small bumps. I can't really detect any extra harshness. Um, that may change if they were like both six months overdue a service. Maybe a difference would start to come in there because there's more surface area with the biggest sanction, but I really couldn't feel any disadvantage. And when I was riding tracks with sort of big rocks, like kind of shoebox sized rocks or, or big kind of high load corners, the, the forks just felt smoother and, and there was less harshness there. Am I right in thinking that both the 38 and the Lyric um, and maybe across the Fox and RockShox lineups, they've got slightly new air springs as well in 2021, is that right? Yeah, so I think, basically I think Fox have made a big step forward with larger volume air springs, which feel more like a coil spring. Mm -hmm. And I think that's definitely a good thing. I think RockShox have taken a bit of a step backwards in that they, they've moved around the transfer port to make it more, to make it easier to set up and so that the fork kind of ex fully extends every time so you can use every millimeter of the travel. But I think it compromises the kind of first touch, that initial sensitivity a little bit. Uh, so I'm not a fan of that. I kind of feel like rock shocks. So last year I said that I thought the Lyric was slightly better than the 36, but I feel like rock shocks have taken a bit of a step backwards and Fox have taken a bit of a step forwards. And I think those Fox forks, like the 36 and the 38 are both really good. Um, so yeah, whether you need that extra stiffness, because both when you compare the RockShox forks and the Fox forks, the, the 38 mil stanchion ones are like 250 grams heavier or so. And I, I'm not really fussed about that, but if you're, if you are, you know, that's definitely a consideration. Um, so yeah, horses for courses, I suppose. Uh, have you ridden them at all, Rob? So yeah, I've, um, I had the Zeb when it launched, um, and yeah, I, you know, I, I agree with Seb when it comes to stuff like uh, the stiffness versus comfort. I haven't felt at any point that I'm getting my hands rattled off the bars when I'm riding that fork versus a Lyric, for example, which I think for a few years was definitely our benchmark in terms of the single crown. Um, I have also just recently on the Nomad uh, that we mentioned earlier, ridden the 38 and, and Seb and I have actually been going back and forth a little bit about this. But interestingly for me, so I guess I'm a few kilos lighter than Seb, I'm having to run pretty much all the adjusters on that fork almost fully open to get it to run as, as fast as I can possibly get it going. And, and, and it's fine and it's really sensitive and it has that you know really light initial touch. But for me, it means I, I basically only have adjustment in one direction and it's, it's kind of the adjust, you know, I, I would like to be able to go both ways, ideally, which is what I do have, fortunately, on the Zeb. So, yeah, it, it, it's definitely an interesting time and it's going to be an interesting um, few months as to where we see these forks appearing. And obviously, yeah, you know, more and more bikes for next year have started to get them on already. But I guess it sort of opens doors to what's going to be possible on these single ground bikes before you're stepping up to a downhill bike almost, you know. Wicked. And on, on, on that front, um, you've seen a couple of 
bigger bikes and enduro bikes and trail bikes coming out this year. Which which ones stood out for you uh, in twenty twenty in terms um, of bike launches? I think it's been interesting from Santa Cruz in that so they launched the fifty ten, so that's that hundred and thirty mile travel bike, and they've launched the Nomad as well, and both of those bikes still stick with 650B wheels, so 27 and a half, if you want to call them that. Um, so I think that's kind of interesting to see a relatively big brand like them, you know, not just offering, you know, I was surprised that, for example, the Nomad wasn't a mullet even, just because of, you know, what we're seeing more commonly across, you know, the rest of the industry. Um, and again, it, the Nukeproof Mega has been updated. So... The bike last year that we had in in bike of the year in, in my category of bike of the year the enduro bikes it was a good bike to ride but it was very much a sort of um drop heels and just smash through everything you know it wasn't i wouldn't say it was particularly playful or lively whereas i think the changes they've made to it this time around it's it's way more up my street you know it's it's a 160 mil travel bike that you feel like you can, you know, it's just more like an everyday trail bike with a bit extra travel. What have they, what have they done to it to sort of change the feel of it then, do you think? Um, so there's tweaks to the geometry. Um, so they've, um, it feels like you're in a better balanced position on the bike for a start because I was on the medium last year, which was a bit of a funky size. So that had a 450 uh, rear centre and it had a 450 reach. And they sort of addressed that balance and changed it slightly so the reach is extended and the chain stays decreased for this year on the medium. And then they've just worked on the kinematics, basically. So they've made it a touch more progressive. They've removed, there was a sort of uh, a regressive hump in that leverage curve, which they've got rid of and sort of smoothed out. And all of a sudden that means you've got a more supportive mid-stroke. So it feels like there's more to push against when you want to ride it, I don't know, on faster smoother trails but you can still really thump it into stuff and it 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 doesn't feel like it's um i guess lost any of that you know that sort of aggression when you really want to push it hard you might get a bit more feedback through it but for me that's no bad thing i quite like that has anything stood out for you said this year on bike launch wise um nothing i can think of that's been launched this year um I've been riding that Privateer 161 a lot. It was, I think it was launched last year, but yeah, I've been riding that a lot. Really enjoy it. Uh, the shape really suits me. I think it fits me really well. Um, yeah, the, the Stumpy Evo as well is is not a bike I've ridden, but it's a, you know, it looks really intriguing. It's interesting to see Specialized has gone from being quite a sort of middle of the road kind of brand in terms of geometry to being you know, relatively towards the forefront of um, geometry changes. So that's been good. Uh, it's good to see anyway. So that probably ties into sort of my sort of most notable launch of the year, I think really is, is Specialized Epic, which again is another sort of bike that Special launched this year that really has kind of pushed the boundaries of, of what's kind of normal in terms of geometry on, on a particular genre of bike. So that's their XC race bike, their full sus one um, that they launched this year. They launched the hardtail last year actually as well. Um, but, you know, that's got uh, a 470 or 475 reach uh, in a size large. It's got a 67 and a half head angle. Um, it's just very, uh, it's basically almost like a trail bike from a couple of years ago, but with, 
you know, XC components, suspension that works incredibly well under power um, and just sort of does what it needs to do. And obviously it's got the brain as well. So that's specialized. They developed it with RockShox. It's a, it's a platform system for their fork and their shock. Um, which you know uses brass weights and inertia valves to open and close upon hits, and you know that's been improved again this year. It's a bit smoother, it's a bit more intuitive to use. Um, and that I was riding that yesterday, I say back to back with the new Merida. Um, the Merida in itself, if you looked at that uh, without the context of the Epic, you think that's a pretty rad, um, interesting XC bike. But riding it back to back with the Epic, it's it's very noticeable how um, competent or capable that epic really is um compared to the competition so i mean this year i've ridden the merida uh the new cannondale scalpel uh or bears ois and a couple of other full sussex bikes uh, a giant anthem as well and that epic is just head and shoulders um above the rest i guess that's sort of i mean we at the start of the year rock shocks launched the new sid as well didn't they so there was they have the, the mm. sid sl which is a lightweight um I think what thirty-two mil stanchions, um, and and they they worked on that new damper etc. But they then also launched the new Sid Ultimate, which was which has the thirty-five mil stanchions, and I think comes in at hundred or hundred uh, hundred twenty hundred twenty mil hundred twenty mil travel. So again, it's that sort of mm. that was almost preempting what we were going to start to see. I think it was um, it's a great fork. I've got it on a. Uh, Mondraker F Podium, and I must admit, mm-hmm. I spent so many hours riding that bike while we were in, you know, you know, lockdown when we could go out for, you know, once a day or whatever it was. And that thing was, you know, it was a godsend for me because it's still a. I, I think it's it's one of those um, a fork like that is is you realise how capable it is, but also you're not being penalised in terms of weight or anything like that. So. You can still do those long drags on the road and lock it out if you need to. But when you do get off-road, you can push pretty hard. And and I think it's uh, something that we're going to see more and more of, I guess, you know, with the, however you want to phrase it, but, you know, the downcountry bikes that are coming more and more, um, or that we're seeing more regularly these days. I mean, you know, like the, was it the Oxford English Dictionary always mm. do their words of the year sort of thing. And I guess this year it's lockdown or whatever it was. I think in the mountain biking world, I mean, downcountry has to be one of those words of the year because it has really um, appeared massively this year with, with the whole Definitely. raft of bikes. I mean, I think it's one of the questions people ask, you know, when you, you bump into people at, you know, in trail centre car parks and, and, and things like that, and they start to quiz you on the bikes you really enjoyed riding recently. And I think time and time again, I would imagine, you know, you and me especially, who've, who've ridden quite a few of them more recently, but it always comes back to going, oh, yeah, you know, I've ridden this bike and it only has 100 mil, 120 mil of travel at the back, 120 in the front, and I rode it loads, and it's incredible. You know, it's got decent tyres, it's got short stem, decent reach, you know, all the things that we kind of want from a modern trail bike. But at the same time, it's still a relatively stiff, efficient bike that you can ride for miles on. And, and it's ridiculously fun. It, it sort of makes some of the duller bits of trail more exciting. It's easier to get looser on, but you still feel that you're, you know, not held back on the big long days out. Yeah, I think, you know, next year we'll probably see, I, I can't see that trend slowing down really. I think we're going to see a lot more of them. I sort of hope that, I mean, a lot of the ones that have been launched this year, whether it's the Epic Evo or the, 
um, scalpel SE and those sort of things. Often it's their XC bike, which has got a longer stroke shock and a longer fork. And obviously, it gives them the extra travel and capability. But what it tends to have done is shorten reaches, um, slacken the seat angles and all that sort of stuff, obviously, because you've put that longer fork on. So I kind of hope that next year we'll see a few more bikes built specifically, you know, with sort of more radical geometry that, you know, will really suit those bikes. Like, you know, the F-Podium or the Transition Spur, obviously, is, is the, the probably the main one of that type that was launched this year. <laughs> I have, there's builders, they're making noises, sorry. Um, I guess in terms of other sort of big-ish mountain bike news, the only other massive product that was launched this year really was Shimano's EP8. Uh, they've got their new motor. Um, it was an update to the E8000. Um, it's a little bit smaller. It's a little bit lighter. Um, it should have more um, adjustability through um, their was it the yeah. power tube app, I think they call it for Shimano. Um, and they've also got new batteries for it with 630 watt hours. Um, and that's obviously been quite a big launch in terms of the number of bikes that are appearing with this motor, but it's been quite slow to um, actually make its way onto the market. Yeah, by the sounds of things, it's certainly not been plain sailing. Um, it feels like when they were ready to launch at the end of August, we were sort of geared up for getting a whole host of those bikes. And then for whatever reason, production issues, et cetera, et cetera, stuff just sort of slowed down. And it's only now that we're starting to, see some of those bikes actually appear and, and get the opportunity to ride them. Have you ridden any of them, Seb, yet? No, I, I did an e-bike test earlier in the year and I could only get bikes with the Bosch motor. So that was really disappointing. But um, yeah, I've still not ridden it. Have you, You've ridden it, haven't you, Tom? Yeah, I've got a, a Merida E160. Um, I know Alex, um, who's one of our other tech heads at Bike Radar, he's mm. been riding a number of uh, bikes with EPA. Um, it's kind of, I guess it's had kind of like mixed feedback. It's, it's very good at some things. Um, I think the, the feel of it um, through the pedals is pretty good, but the top end power doesn't seem quite as punchy um, as the Bosch. That said, I haven't really had too much of a chance to play with the PowerTube app because mine stopped working uh, on the Merida, which wasn't Merida's fault, I'd hasten to add. Um, there's been, there have been reliability issues with the EPA. I don't think it's unfair to highlight that. Um, and I know there are fixes um, that are being processed and, and conversations being had, but it's not been, as I say, it's not been the smoothest of launches so far. Um, hopefully 2021, Shimano will, will get those sorted and we'll start seeing a lot of bikes coming out with, with the new motor. Have you done a comparison of the Bosch and the Shimano or the Shimano and the old one? Uh, I've not had a chance to do that back-to-back. -back. I know Al's been working on on something. Um, Al is working yeah. on a massive e-bike comparison test for Bike Radar for next year. So uh, that'll be the Bosch, the Bros, Yamaha, um, and Shimano, hopefully, if we can get hold of those bikes. Because um, I think that'll be a really interesting, valuable test. I mean, the you know the the tech numbers, I guess, that they'll provide you with suggest that the EP8 has a lower top-end torque. I think it's 75 newton meters of torque, whereas uh, Bosch and Bros is up at, was it 80, 85, 90, that sort of thing? I think it's 85 for Bosch, 90 for Bros, I think. And I yeah. think, you know, everyone talks about, like, the power, 250 watts, but actually I think it is the torque figures that really make the most noticeable difference out on the trail. The, the thing about torque, though, is that... Um... <clears throat> They, they might display that they might tell you the maximum torque, which you might only be able to get at a, at a specific cadence. And so I think some of them, the, the torque drops off quite, quite sharply as you get to higher RPMs and that, that can be quite a difference. Um, how, how did you find the Bosch 
because um, that was the latest generation for Performance CX, right? I, I mean, in isolation, I was really impressed with it. Uh, it never seemed to kind of do anything unpredictable. I think it's, I think it's fair to say from what I've heard and what I've heard from Alex is that I think the Bosch has more power when you need it than the Shimano. And it's got the EMTB mode, which you can just leave it in all day because the it kind of responds quite proportionately to how much power you put in. So you're never sort of wheeling off the line or wheel spinning as you try and get going. Um, but the power is there when you need it. The, the one issue that I did notice with it is that if you're on a technical climb and you're, um, you're kind of coming up to a steep section and you want to like really spin fast to build up speed before you, before you uh, start the steep bit, if you get to like re those really high cadences, it cuts out. But that only happens like very occasionally on a technical climb. Um, apart from that, I had really no complaints with that motor. Should we um, have a quick think about what we might see in 2021? Um, Rob, what, what do you reckon could be the... Uh, oh, is there anything, is, are there any other bits of tech news actually that have happened in 2020 that you might want to just very quickly mention? Do you, are you talking about Eagle at all there, yeah. Rob? Because they obviously uh, went slightly one bigger than Shimano. It's the uh, are we going to see it? Yeah, they did. They had they got their one up on Shimano, didn't they? They went to a they got it back. They went to a uh, fifty-two tooth biggest sprocket. So I guess yeah, not not major news, but you know the, the big brands are still battling it out, which is quite interesting. Well, word on the street next year: Shimano thirteen speed ten fifty-three. <laughs> That's what I. Uh... <laughs> I'm going to predict. Not sure that's quite true. Well, let's. Um, what do you reckon is? Are we going to see uh, next year, Rob? What's uh, your prediction for 2021? So I think um, love them or hate them, more e-bikes of all sorts of varieties. I, I would imagine we're going to start to see some, um, you know, more shorter travel, lighter ones. I think like the Orbea Rise, for example. Yes, just like the Orbea Rise and the Level SL stuff like that. I think it'll be a case of refining designs like that and I guess brands that don't currently have one will potentially be looking to offer something similar. I also think there's potential for more um, electronic integration on normal bikes. So it was the first time actually this year, because I think Seb had covered it previously, that I rode live valve, which was quite interesting. Um, and it's not until you ride it, you can, I think it's sort of, you realize the potential. I'm not saying that they've executed it impeccably. You know, it still doesn't feel, it still feels like there could, there's, you know, room for manoeuvre in terms of how it is physically mounted on the bike, you know, with the wires and you've got the little, the battery and bits and pieces sort of all over the place. But it feels like there's so much scope to do stuff with that, that I'm sure one of the big brands is going to be doing something similar down the line potentially which is quite exciting i think it's quite cool um and then i think uh, as sort of seb's already touched on actually a lot of the enduro bikes seem to be creeping up in terms of travel you know so using those bigger forks um and they're still you know really steep seat angles so you can still pedal them uphill but it feels like we're so we're so close to riding, you know, full-blown downhill bikes around the forest now. It's getting crazy. So I I think we'll see that sort of those bikes continue to creep up. Whether or not everyone needs that, I'm not entirely sure. But 
it's kind of nice to know that you can ride round on, you know, a 108 mil travel bike and you're not being penalised for it, essentially, you know. So it's, it's, it's kind of cool. It's good that they're out there, I think. It is really interesting. Wicked. Seb, what do you reckon we're going to see? Yeah, I, um, I agree with Rob on the, the longer travel bikes. I think we might also see some more high pivot designs. I've seen a few come out this year uh, or the last couple of years. Um, I, I think it's no secret that uh, Forbidden has a longer travel high pivot bike in the works. Uh, so hopefully we'll see that soon and be able to ride it. Um, yeah, and maybe also more um, suspension telemetry stuff. So, so I really enjoy testing the, um, uh, well, using the motion instruments telemetry sensors this year to, um, which helped me with that uh, 38 versus Zev comparison. I think now that um, the cool thing about that is it uses Bluetooth to connect to your phone. So all, all of the computer processing power is in your phone. So I think that has allowed it to be at a price point where, I mean, it's still like $1,000 or something, but it's like at a price point where an everyday consumer could think about having it. Whereas before, telemetry was basically for the pros only. So, so maybe we'll see more of that uh, as smartphones get better, but who knows? What cool. about you, Tom? Well, I reckon, well, I reckon um, 2020 was obviously meant to be an Olympic year. We expected a lot of new XC bikes, and we saw a lot of new XC bikes. Um, obviously, we're going to get the Olympics in 2021, COVID-dependent, but um, I think there's still scope for, well, I think there's a couple of XC bikes that are quite sort of notable in their um, age, so maybe a giant anthem, maybe a Scott Spark scale, that sort of thing. Um, so I reckon we'll see some more full sus XC race bikes out in time for uh, the 2021 Olympics. Um, and again, sort of going into back to that sort of down country thing, I think it's inevitable that we'll see more bikes of that ilk coming out. And maybe um, some hardtails. So BMC launched a their sort of replacement XC hardtail, which I've sadly forgotten the name of. Um, but that looked absolutely rad. That looked like a really fun little bike, um, fairly slack angles, but still built with cross-country racing in mind, um, but also a little bit of trail capability in there too. So I think we're just, you know, like we're saying, you know, like enduro bikes getting bigger travel, trail bikes getting more and more capable. I think we're seeing the same across the board, XC bikes as well. They're just getting better to ride day in, day out. So that's what I reckon we'll see more of. Fingers crossed it's going to be a good year, hopefully. I, th I think the signs are looking up. I think 2020 was, it's been an interesting year, but um, I reckon 2021 is going to be, uh, certainly uh, looking back on 2020, you're going to think 2021 is going to be great. So that's my other prediction. It's going to be a great year. It's going to be great. Right. Well, I think we'll we'll wrap it up there, but um, thanks very much for listening to the White Raider podcast over the last year. And don't forget to subscribe so you keep hearing more of them. They're out every Monday. Um, and we've got lots of exciting plans for the podcast for 2021. So um, thanks, Rob. Cheers, mate. Thank you. And thank you very much, Seb. Cheers, Tom. And uh, yeah, listen again next week. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Bye.